0: Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster & Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life. We hear again and again how
1: important it is to keep our personal information secure, and that includes our financial data. I'm Patrice Sikora with Foster & Motley's Luke Hale to talk about just how important that security is. And Luke, you have a story that I think says it all. So please tell us about one of your clients and how their money ended up far from home.
2: Well, a couple of years ago, we had a we have a very nice client and they've allowed me to share this story to hopefully benefit others. But they had a tough experience. It was a day before Thanksgiving. And what happened was some scammers had hacked their email. And the scammer had sat quietly for maybe two years. Whoa. And they watched things come and things go in their email. So that should tell us that we should be very careful what we put in our email, no personally identifiable information, no social security numbers, um, if you're gonna mail, your tax return to your financial planner, upload it securely to the site or pass your word protected, because we all have to assume that all that email can be seen. So they laid in wait and watched the email uh, come and go. And through that time, they accumulated enough personally identifiable information on this person to ascertain that they had. Uh, some investment accounts. So they were financially independent, and then they could identify family members and things like that, that would allow you to start a scam. So you accumulate data. All you really need, according to some experts, is a birth date, maybe your hometown, and maybe one more piece of information to to start working on a scam against somebody. So if your email's hacked, all that stuff mm-hmm. flows through your email as you're talking to your friends and family. So the client, unfortunately, clicked this link that said, hey, would you like to improve your data security? This is, you know, we'd like to improve your firewall. Click here. Of course, they wanted to be secure and his computer got taken over by this group. We don't know from where, but we do know that. The end of the story is there was, a, well, maybe I shouldn't jump to the end. The middle is pretty interesting. So they take over the computer and then they um, initiate wire transfers uh, out of their account at Charles Schwab through a practice, I guess, that they only know about. They can, they know how those systems work and they know, you know, we'll send you a password to confirm this is really you to your email address, right? So they're already in the email. So they did all that stuff and they shot four wire transfers out and Schwab's very good. They have great security and they caught three of them, but the fourth one snuck out. It ended up in Bangkok. So Schwab tried to get it back from the bank in Bangkok and they tried to recall the wire transfer and it didn't work. So the client was out some amount of money. Schwab has a great security protocol, and they also have a great security guarantee that if you didn't initiate this or provide your information to somebody falsely, you know, you didn't, even if you were scammed, if you provide your information to somebody, then this security guarantee doesn't work. But as long as you didn't do those things, then Schwab refunds the money. Um, so thankfully the client was made whole, but to, I guess the scammers credit, their system worked. And even this very intelligent, nice person that was trying to enhance the security on their computer, unfortunately fell victim to this. And once the scammers find out that you are potentially a victim to one scam, then you're marked. Mm -hmm. And these clients got a call every few hours from somebody outside the country uh, encouraging them to do one more thing, one more thing. So that's, they ultimately had to change their email address. They had to change their cell phone numbers and they had to get their computer scrubbed of all the malware. So this was a disaster. This was the day before Thanksgiving. And uh, these people knew it, to their credit. They immediately contacted Schwab and said, and their bank and said, Mm -hmm. I think I've done something wrong. I think, you know, I've been taken advantage of. And at that point, Schwab locked down the accounts, the bank locked down the accounts, nothing else bad happened. But then it was all about protecting them from the next thing, the next set of scammers. So they had to change all their stuff. It took an emotional toll. The financial toll ended up being zero dollars. But the emotional toll was heavy.
1: Sure. I find it amazing that the scammers were so patient.
2: And I guess it's like being a hunter. You sit and and you watch and you wait some more and you wait for the right opportunity and you wait until you've accumulated all that you need to move forward.
1: And you gotta believe that they're doing this with hundreds of thousands of accounts.
2: So And they were so smart to move the day before Thanksgiving, because if we think about the American financial system, everybody's kind of takes that day off when everybody's got their guard down and everybody's looking forward to being at home with their family or they're traveling or they're thinking about getting on an airplane or, you know, anything but probably, you know, the office and really paying attention to what's going on. That's not to say that Schwab and the bank and everybody wasn't paying attention. They were. They've got systems that pay attention all the time, but because of the day that they picked to do this, the chances of them getting away with it were higher because the response time would have been slower. People would have been out of the office.
1: Right. I am also amazed that um, they were actually made whole financially. I'm surprised at that. Pleasantly surprised.
2: I think you're better companies. Like we use Schwab as our custodian, not because they compensate us in any way, but we just feel like they're a really good partner. They have excellent security. I think they talk to the the FBI every week about things that are going on there because they are so big. They're some of the first people to see it. So very well informed and a good partner to have. And their security guarantee should give you confidence that, you know, as long as you live up to your end of right. the bargain, you can't give your login and password and things like that out to people. And then their security guarantee doesn't work. But in a case like this, where it was really out of the client's control and they essentially were are phished uh, through yeah. a phishing email, than in this case that Schwab came through on the guarantee.
1: You also had the opportunity to uh, hear from another person who's got a reputation as being quite the con man.
2: I did. So at a Schwab conference, so I I attend various conferences every year. Some of them are Schwab or some of them are sponsored by other uh, groups. But Schwab put on a great conference out in Colorado this year and they had Frank Abagnale, as one of their speakers, and he's of fame. Uh, you may recognize the name because the "Catch Me If You Can" movie with Leonardo DiCaprio uh, portrayed some elements of truth <laughs> of Frank's life. I think it was Hollywoodized to some extent, and there may be some question about the truth of Frank's life in some corners. But um, but anyway, Frank is now. Uh, He works with the FBI, not for the FBI, but he has worked with them and he comes to speak to their people about fraud and how to avoid it and how to catch people because he was one of the bad guys who could know better how to catch a bad guy than a bad guy. So Frank told us some pretty interesting things, Um, and I think probably the. If we start at the base level, if we think about our financial information, we think about paper. You know, there are still a lot of things on paper. And one of the things that he recommended was a security micro cut shredder. So most people have a shredder at home. But he told us that uh, there's about four different kinds of shredders and that at the FBI, They can put together with computer programs that they have that they assume the criminals also have. If you shred your paper with a straight shredder that cuts it into straight lines, they can put that back together in 30 minutes. No problem. But if they would have used a security micro cut shredder, it essentially turns your paper into two pieces of paper about as big as rice. And he said that the FBI doesn't really have a way to put that back together again. So, if we start at a very base level, shred your stuff and use the right shredder. It doesn't cost any more than the other shredders; it just has to be the right type. Um, he said, always use a credit card. Don't use a debit card. Right. Um, so, credit cards in, uh, for instance, when Target got hacked um, a few years ago, anybody that bought things on a credit card were protected more than a debit card. Debit card gives a scammer access, direct access to your bank account. You'll probably be reimbursed for your losses and credit cards are so much faster and they're very secure in this. As, as we all know, anybody that's received a call it says, Hey, Mr. Hale, did you buy a TV in Texas a few minutes ago? And I say, No, I didn't. And they say, Well, somebody did on your credit card. We're going to cancel this and we'll send you a new credit card and you'll have it in two days. Um, they have some pretty serious security there that can benefit us all. So use a credit card, not a debit card. Um, a lot of kids today are starting off with debit cards. He suggested having a credit card for your kid, maybe when they when they go off to college, but you would guarantee their credit card. So it'd be an association with your credit card. So that helps them build their credit um, for when they need to buy their first car or take out a loan for a house, uh, unlike a debit card, which has no effect on your credit. Um, and it also is very safe. So uh, credit card, not a debit card. Another thing uh, related to I've got college kids, so I've learned how to do Venmo through them. Uh, He says, hook Venmo up to a credit card. Don't put Venmo against your bank account. Mm -hmm. So it creates a a hurdle of another backstop and using the great security that the credit card companies bring to the table. So that's a protection for you.
1: So we've talked about shredding our documents better and the benefits of using a credit card instead of a debit card. But what else should we be doing to protect our personal information from being accessed?
2: So the biggest rock that you can put in place is a credit freeze. So a credit freeze essentially stops people from opening loans in your name. This is the best thing that you can do. So you should go do, just Google how to freeze your credit. You'll have to go to Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion individually and go through their process, but it's easy, and now it's free. So first, freeze your credit. But Frank said he also uses an identity um, subscription, a identity guard subscription mm-hmm. uh, to protect his identity on top of the credit freeze. So I've heard from different people. We had an FBI agent a few years ago that said, if you freeze your credit, you don't need to do The identity protection stuff. Um, But Frank said for $12 a month, uh, you can enroll in one of these services like LifeLock or Identity Guard and have that extra level of protection and really know what's going on with your credit on a day-to-day um situation and also your identity to see if people are trying to open things in your name mm-hmm. see if your uh your identity has been for sale on the dark web which is somewhere that I don't know anything about that sounds very scary but with these services they can identify the bad guys that are trying to get after you
1: this is all wonderful but every time i go online i have to deal with passwords passwords here, passwords there. I'm getting tired of passwords. I understand their need, but I refuse to say, save this password. I'm not going to do that. What about keeping track of your passwords and and making them a challenge for anybody who's trying to to crack them?
2: It's a great question. The bad news is passwords are a pain in the neck, and we all have to deal with them right now. And the best way to deal with a bad situation is through a password manager, but it's a way to store your passwords in a place that is encrypted with one master password over top of it. So we use uh, a password manager at work and it makes our life a lot easier and more secure in the workplace. I have to remember one master password and then it has essentially that opens the vault and allows me to have all the other passwords for all the sites that we use uh, day in and day out through the financial planning and investment management process. So I would encourage people to do that, but there's even better news that that Frank said was on the way. He said passwords were, are a, a technology that was developed in about 1964, the way they're currently being used. And now there's something called pass keys. And when past keys get fully adopted, they will make all of our lives a lot easier and more secure. And uh, I'm not a technical person, but as I understand it, a past key identifies you as a user much more securely than a password. It could be something that you plug into your computer and use a thumbprint reader, or it could be something on your phone that has a biometric interface with your Amazon account, but it's just gonna get a lot easier. We have to be a little patient. We have to do what's right now for passwords to try to organize them and keep them safe, but then know that hopefully in a couple of years, the passkey thing is gonna make all of our lives a lot easier
1: you were telling me before we started recording about the complexity of passwords, how many letters, how many numbers that I thought that was really interesting. Can you go through that again?
2: Sure. So I, as I was getting ready for this podcast, I looked up, you know, the right length of password that you should use. Um, And one thing to remember is length equals strength. So that's something that we can all remember length equals strength. And, there was a matrix that I saw that was developed by the computer people that had a matrix of how many characters in a password going down the left-hand side. And then across the top was if you just use letters or you just use numbers or you used a combination of letters and numbers, or if you used a combination of letters, numbers, characters, and a capital letter, which is what they all suggest that we mm-hmm. do and what i found was eight characters really probably should be the minimum that you use and it should be a combination of letters numbers have at least one uppercase and then one special symbol now with eight characters it is supposed to hold off what's called a brute force attack which is essentially kind of a it's a computer attack on your password mm-hmm that goes through and makes educated guesses, but they make hundreds and thousands of guesses every second. So if you used one, two, they might guess the other two numbers would be three, four. (laughs) That's pretty, that's going to be pretty (laughs) easy. Don't do that. But what I determined was at, if you have a eight character symbol or eight-character password that uses symbols, numbers, and upper. It's going to take a brute force attack maybe eight hours to break your password, but if you increase that to twelve characters, and uh, with also numbers and symbols and uppercase and all that stuff, it could take thirty-four thousand years at That's current computing difference. speed. Yeah. yeah, for four more pieces of information in our password. So I don't know about you but I um, you know we at work we always because our security people are great we're always changing our passwords and we're you know, I, know. And I always have to come up with something so I wrote this down so this is a uh I think it's a 13 character password my dog ruby 859 exclamation mark Now, that's not a password I use, by the way, if you're listening, Uh, (laughs) but that would be that would qualify for the thirty four thousand years. So they say do phrases that you can remember. Eight, five, nine happens to be my area code. So, like, okay, I can remember that. And that's not obvious. Those eight and five, nine don't obviously go together. So um, do a phrase, you know, do your kid, do your dog, do your last three dogs. I don't I don't know whatever you do, but maybe do a phrase you can remember versus some intricate thing that's going to be really hard to remember.
1: And then one other point before we wrap this up, email addresses, look at the email address, look at the URL, look at the links. Are they right or do they look a little off?
2: So you may or may not know this. If you don't know this, this will be great information. So hover over the email with your, cursor and it will come up even if it says it's from microsoft if you hover over it it will reveal that it's really not from microsoft it may be from some um you know somewhere out of the country mm-hmm. some funny looking thing so that's a really basic thing that you can do that if you just take an extra second to identify that it's really coming from some body that you don't know or it claims to be some organization that it's not just delete it just if it's important and if it was from somebody real they're going to send you another email or they're going to send you a piece of paper in the mail um so that is a really easy way that you can sort through your email and hopefully identify some scammers before they get you
1: and look at the spelling the spelling of words
2: yep that's true if but scammers are getting really good. Yeah. They're, you know, some of the stuff that I used to depend on, like spelling and bad grammar, don't hold up anymore. I, I think that they are so good, they can get any of us. It's just a matter of trying to put layers of protection, you know, a good password, check your email, be aware of things, don't click on links. The IRS will never call you. Things like that 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 we hear out in the world, but we just have to have our guard up. And if anything looks a little bit strange, pick up the phone and call somebody.
1: And sometimes you're just moving too quickly. You know, as you said, pause, look at the email address, look at where it came from.
2: And one more thing, specifically on your financial account, set up multi-factor authorization on your bank accounts and your brokerage accounts. I know at Schwab, they give you the option to do that or not. Take take the option to do that. It will send a code to your phone and then you'll have to press a button to say it's okay or something like that. It's really no big deal once you get it set up, but it provides a huge uh, protection for you that um, without it, you're just a little bit more vulnerable.
1: Luke, that was a fantastic discussion. And we're going to have to get you back here for some updates too. Maybe you'll go for, to one of uh, Mr. Abingale's, uh seminars again. Bring us That'd back some information. Really? <laughs> but yeah. how can someone reach Foster and Motley if they've got some questions about their accounts?
2: We have some great information on our website. Go to fosterandmotley.com and check it out. We've got some Uh, good information on how to freeze your credit uh, and other helpful hints in this area as as well as just the areas of money management and investment markets and all those kinds of things. So give fostermotley.com a look and then uh, give us a call. We're here.
1: And if you found this information useful, of course, subscribe or follow to the podcast. There are a lot more episodes with great information in them. And don't forget to share with others. Thanks for being with us.
0: Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley, a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Keep in mind that rules and regulations are subject to change. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.